0: Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much that your love never gives up on any of us, not any single one of us. And as we come together today to worship you, to praise you, to reflect on your word, we pray that your Holy Spirit will touch each and every one of us. Open our hearts, open our minds, open our lives, that we might receive your truth. And as we're talking about fasting today, something that maybe many of us don't even really know about, God, I pray that you'll give us a a willingness to listen and then a heart to act so that we can be obedient to you and so that we can enjoy your blessing in our lives. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Of all the messages that I've ever preached, and I, I did a little calculation, it's getting to be around a thousand messages I've preached as a pastor over the years. I believe this one is probably the most important from a daily life-changing perspective. And I say that because fasting is what I'm going to talk about today, is a spiritual discipline that I've basically failed to practice as a pastor and also failed to share with uh, churches that I've served over my 36-plus years as a pastor. Um, That is until this time last year. This time last year, when we started our 21 days of prayer and fasting, I actually did a 21-day fast, what turned out to be a 19-day fast. I'll tell you about that a little later in the message. But up until then, you know, I had fasted for a day or two, and back in my seminary days, I've, one year I fasted every Monday, and I had, during the 21 days of prayer and fasting, I had done a Daniel fast for maybe a week or two, and I'll talk a little bit more about what a Daniel fast is later, but I had never really fasted in a serious way. So in 2020, I not only did one 21-day uh, fast, but actually two, and those two fasts. Deepen my commitment and relationship with Jesus more than anything that I've ever done and made actually 2020 one of the best years of my life from a spiritual standpoint and growth in my relationship with God. And we can all agree that 2020 was pretty much a disaster in many other ways. So we're in the second week of our series, New Beginnings If I Had a Do-Over. And what we said last week is While we don't have do-overs, we can have new beginnings. You and I can't go back 36 years, or 36 minutes for that matter, and do something differently than what we already did or didn't do. I can't go back and fast every Monday for the last 10 years, if I didn't already fast every Monday for the last 10 years. But what you and I can do is we can start today, right now, practicing whatever it is that God calls us to practice to become more the new creations that God created us to be before the foundation of the universe. New beginnings are a way of life for Jesus' followers. Last week, I kicked off the series with this take-home point. New beginnings start with Jesus. Every new beginning that matters today, tomorrow, and for eternity starts with Jesus. Here at New Life, our mission is we exist to share, grow, and live the new life of Jesus Christ with the world one person at a time. That's always been why we exist as a church family. The original mission didn't include the words, share and live. We added those back on the 15th anniversary in 2016. But the intent of our mission from day one has been to give people the opportunity to experience new lives, the new lives that Jesus came to give us. The mission concludes with the phrase, one person at a time. What that reminds us is that people change. One person at a time. There might be a hundred people who accept Jesus as Savior and Lord at the same moment, but each one of those hundred people has a new relationship, a new eternity, really, with Jesus Christ at the center. I can't live a life in Jesus Christ for you or for my children or for anyone else but me. Neither can you. You can't stand in front of Jesus someday and say, well, you know, Jesus, I didn't really live the kind of life that you expected me to live, but my nephew did. Doesn't that count for something? You know, that's not going to count for anybody except for your nephew. That's why this message is so vital. I ought to have preached it 36 years ago, but I didn't. So I apologize to any of you who might possibly have been able to hear a message if I had preached it that long ago or 20 years ago or two years ago. But I can't change that. I don't get a do-over. Neither do you. But here's the opportunity for a new beginning for all of us when it comes to fasting. So let's start with today's take-home point. And for those of you who are new, the take-home point is the one point I'm going to make from Scripture that we want to take home and live out in the week ahead. So here it is. Fasting is a normal part of every Jesus follower's life. Let me say that again. Fasting is a normal part of every Jesus follower's life. So if that's true, then why is it that the vast majority of American Christians never fast? And some people don't even, who are Christians in America, don't even think fasting is part of what we ought to do as Jesus followers. Well, there are a lot of answers to that question, and I'm not going to try to answer that question today, but what I am going to do is I'm going to build a biblical case for why we are called to fast as a normal part of our lives as a follower of Jesus. So if you would, please turn with me in your Bible or Bible app to Matthew chapter 6, verse 16 to 18. It's also going to be up on the screen. So Matthew 6 is part of Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, which is his most extended and um, Concentrated teaching on what it means to follow him. It's found in Matthew's chapter 5, 6, and 7. But in Matthew chapter 6, Jesus spoke about three disciplines that his followers must practice. Giving, praying, and fasting. In addressing each of those disciplines, he said, when you give, when you pray, when you fast. He didn't say if you give or if you pray or if you fast, but when. So let's read his instructions about fasting. Jesus said, and when you fast, don't make it obvious as the hypocrites do, for they try to look miserable and disheveled so people will admire them for their fasting. I tell you the truth, that is the only reward they will ever get. But when you fast, comb your hair and wash your face, then no one will notice that you are fasting except your Father who knows what you do in private, and your Father who sees everything will reward you. Jesus commanded his followers when they prayed, gave, and fasted not to be like the hypocrites. Well, who were the hypocrites? The hypocrites were the religious leaders of his day. He called them out because they made a public show of giving and praying and fasting. And he said, don't you all do that. If you're my follower, I don't want you making a public show of giving, praying, and fasting. And for that reason, there are some pastors who don't like to talk about giving, praying, and fasting because they're afraid that that could be construed as making a public show of giving, praying, and fasting. Well, that isn't what Jesus meant. After all, if we don't talk about giving, praying, and fasting, how will anyone learn that there are vital aspects of living as Jesus' followers? What Jesus doesn't want us to do when we give, pray, or fast is make a public show of it. In fact, Jesus said we will be rewarded by our Heavenly Father when we do those things in private or in secret. That is, when we do them from our hearts to glorify God and not so other people will see us and give us a pat on the back. When it came to fasting, the hypocrites, the religious leaders of Jesus' day, did it twice a week. I mean, every Pharisee, every religious leader in Israel would fast two days a week. And when they fasted, they tried to look, um, Jesus called it, miserable and disheveled. You know, they wanted people to know they were miserable. They They would actually ruffle up their hair, put ashes in their hair. In extreme cases, they would even tear their clothing so everybody would know the great sacrifice they were making when they were fasting. It's sort of like they wanted people to look at them and say, whoa, look how disciplined those guys are. I mean, they look terrible. It must be Fasting Friday. Jesus said, don't do that. Don't don't look like that. In fact, what he said is, on those days when you're fasting, you want to take a little extra time in front of the mirror. You know, comb that hair, wash your face, spruce up a little bit, look good. So nobody but God knows you're fasting. Because if nobody but God knows, then he's going to give you the reward. So here's the thing, though, when it comes to fasting. So few people have talked about fasting as a normal part of every Jesus follower's life here in America that most of us don't fast at all. Again, I take full responsibility for my lack of teaching you about fasting and my own lack of fasting as, just as a believer. If I had a do-over, I would do it differently. But like you, I don't have a do-over when it comes to fasting. But we do have a new beginning right here and right now. It just so happens that we have a great opportunity for prayer and fasting for the next 21 days at New Life. Now, much of what I'm about to say about fasting comes from the resource provided by Pastor Dave Patterson, which is called... Pursuit, 21 Days Prayer and Fasting Devotional. We're going to be using that as a big resource for our time of prayer and fasting during these 21 days. In fact, you can pick up a copy at New Life if you'd like to do that. Now, there's also an excellent resource in addition to that that he provides on, on the website of the church that he planted. It's called A Guide to Prayer and Fasting, and you can get it simply by going to thf.org resources, thf.org resources. That stands for the Father's House, which is the church in California that Pastor Dave planted a couple of years before we planted new life here in Saxenburg. So before we can talk about fasting, we have to know what it is, right? So let's look at a biblical definition. What is fasting from a biblical standpoint? Here it is. Fasting is to not eat, to close the mouth, to abstain from food. Now, because I haven't been really... I guess you might say I haven't been a student of or a participant in fasting. I would often say to people who wanted to fast, who said, I have a health reason I can't fast, or maybe I work at a, you know, a really manual labor job, I'm not sure I can fast, and say, well, you, you can just fast from television or you can fast from golf. Well, according to that definition, unless you're going to eat your television or your golf clubs, you can't really fast from television and golf. As Pastor Patterson puts it, I believe it's a legitimate spiritual practice to set aside entertainment and things we enjoy for the purpose of seeking God. But fasting is not an accurate description of those types of disciplines. If I abstain and sanctify my time away from television for the purpose of prayer and worship, that is a healthy spiritual discipline and a sacrifice for my flesh But it's not fasting. It is still important to consider the health concerns that can happen regarding an extended fast before you participate in one. And being part of any kind of fast means to abstain from food and or water. So if you can't do that for health reasons, then don't do it by all means. Your fast and mine is probably going to look very differently depending on what it is you're going to abstain, abstain from eating and drinking and for how long your fast is going to be. If you've never fasted before, what I would encourage you to do is fast from one meal and maybe to do that you know, on, on Monday, tomorrow morning, and then do it on Wednesday and Friday, or, or maybe do it once a week. Don't go on a 21-day fast if you've never fasted before. My plan starting tomorrow, well, starting on January 10th, which is today, I guess, is simply to go without anything but water for the next 14 days. And then during the last seven days of the fast, I'll transition to some juice and um, some broth and probably do a Daniel fast. Now, I said I would explain a Daniel fast. A Daniel fast means eating only fruits, vegetables, and water. We get the name Daniel fast because Daniel, in the book of Daniel, and three of his companions. They were young men who lived in Israel, but they were exiled to Babylon and they were taken into the king's household. They were going to be trained up to be advisors for the king. And so they didn't want to eat the king's rich foods because they wanted to maintain their purity in following the living God of Israel. So what they did was they asked if it would be possible for them to only eat vegetables, fruit, and water. And after a week, They were examined, and they were healthier than any of the other young men who had been eating all of the king's rich foods. So my plan is reasonable to me because I've already participated in two 21-day fasts in the past year. Actually, it was a 19-day fast in January. I told you I was going to tell you about that. I fasted for 19 days, and the last two days, Nancy and I went on a vacation. Now, I wasn't going to fast while we were on vacation, so I cut it short at 19 days, I know my body can not only endure a 21-day fast, but actually my body's going to be healthier because of it. Let me explain that, and let me be clear about what what I mean, and let's really develop what it is to fast and what this fast is all about. So here's where it starts. Jesus called us to fast. Jesus called us to fast. In fact, Jesus started his ministry on earth with a 40-day fast. In Luke's Gospel, we read, And Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan, and was led by the Spirit in the wilderness for forty days, being tempted by the devil. And he ate nothing during those days, and then when they were ended, he was hungry. That was immediately after his baptism. Notice it says Jesus was led by the Spirit. Fasting in Jesus' life and in our life must be guided by the Holy Spirit. Now, that doesn't mean that we're never going to fast until we feel led by the Holy Spirit to fast. After all, we don't have to be led by the Holy Spirit to do anything that Jesus commanded us to do. And Jesus commanded us to fast. When you pray, when you give, when you fast. So we don't have to be doing that. But everything we do goes better when we do it with the Holy Spirit's guidance. I want to remind you of this, going without food for 21 days without guidance from the Holy Spirit is just starving yourself. Going without food for 21 days without guidance from the Holy Spirit is just starving yourself. We all know the dangers of anorexia and bulimia in this culture because this culture is one that sees certain body images as better than others. Fasting is not starving yourself, and fasting is not a weight loss problem. Now, obviously, you will lose some weight if you go on a water-only fast for more than a few days, but that's not the goal. On each of the 21-day fasts I did last year, I lost more than 10 pounds during the fast. Much of that weight came back after, you know, in the next week, after you start eating again, when you start eating normally. But I didn't start eating normally. I didn't go back to my old patterns and I actually have continued to maintain a healthier weight. I'm about 20 pounds lighter right now than I was this time last year. So that can be a beneficial byproduct of an extended fast for many of us. But remember this, fasting is a spiritual discipline we undertake in obedience to Jesus' command and in the power of the Holy Spirit. When we fast... The result is intended to be spiritual deepening and strengthening. Did you notice that Luke told us Jesus was hungry after he had gone without eating anything for 40 days? Well, we might go, duh. But it doesn't say that Jesus was weak after 40 days without eating. We read this, in fact. And Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit to Galilee. And a report about him went out through all the surrounding country. And he taught in their synagogues, being glorified by all. So Jesus' fast and the temptation that he endured in the power of the Holy Spirit during it strengthened him for his ministry. My experience of the two extended fasts that I did last year was the very same thing. Let me be clear. The first several days of abstaining from everything but water was not fun. I had a headache. I felt weak. And even a little nauseous those first few days. But from about the fourth and fifth day on, all of that went away. And I actually felt better for the remainder of the fasting time than I did at any other time in 2020. Now, remember, as I was doing that, I was calling on the Holy Spirit, not just daily, but every time that hunger pain came at first, and those go away after four or five days, but at first, every time that happened, I would turn to the Lord, I would remember what I was doing. And that's the great thing about a fast, whatever period of time, is it brings us a closeness to God, because we'll be reminded of our desire for Him, and and that He is sustaining us when we're not having physical food, He's sustaining us spiritually. And one of the things I noticed as the fast wore on for me into the second week and into the, you know, into the third week, what I noticed was I started to appreciate watching other people eat. Some people say, oh, I'm, I don't want to eat in front of you because I know you're fasting. I actually enjoyed watching other people eat and I gave thanks to God that they were able to and I just thank God in general for the, for the, <laughs> the ability to eat. It's, it's a really good gift. So let's talk about another important practical aspect of, of fasting. If it's going to become a normal part of our lives moving forward, then when do I fast? You ought to be asking that question, when do I fast? And let me give two answers to that question. First, in general, we ought to fast in obedience to Jesus' call in our lives. We ought to fast in obedience to Jesus' call in our lives. That means we might pick a day of the week, Monday or Wednesday, whatever day, doesn't matter, and we use that as our fast day. If you've never fasted, as I said, it would be wise to probably fast from one meal. So the first Monday you fast for one meal, the next Monday one meal. After a few weeks of that, maybe you fast from two meals. And then maybe after you've done it for a couple of months, then you fast for an entire day. A couple more practical tips, though. It's harder to fast for one meal than it is to do an extended fast. And here's why. When you fast from one meal, let's say you're going to miss breakfast. So you go to bed and you get up in the morning and you're hungry. And you're not only hungry, but if you're fasting from caffeine and you usually use caffeine, you're going to get a headache. And by lunchtime, you're going to be starving. So you get all of the negative effects of fasting without any of the positive impact. But here's the thing. Even in those moments when your head starts to hurt or when you're feeling a little hungry, you can know, oh, I'm doing this for God. And so you simply turn to Him and you pray. You call on the Holy Spirit to lead and guide you. I've found that when you get to the point of fasting for an entire day, It's better to, you know, eat your evening meal one day and then fast for breakfast and lunch the next day and then eat your evening meal the following day. So that's 24 hours that you haven't eaten. So some of you might be thinking, wait a minute, you're only skipping two meals, not three. Well, if that's what you're thinking, you're probably taking this fasting thing a little bit too legalistically. But if you do want to fast from three meals, even so, start in the evening with a meal, you know, fast from breakfast, lunch, and dinner, and then the next morning you can break fast. That's what breakfast means by eating your meal the next day. So, the first kind of fasting is carried out in obedience to Jesus. The second kind of fasting is a special call to a corporate fast. A special call to a corporate fast. This pursuit, 21 days of prayer and fasting, is a perfect example. Here at New Life, we have had a special call for 21 days of prayer and fasting at the beginning of every year for the past handful of years. And not only New Life does that, but churches around the world do that. I mean, you know, Rick Warren, a pastor... Uh, at Saddleback Church once said, the best time to tune your instrument is before the concert begins. He was talking about having a prayer and devotional time in the morning each day. But you could also apply that to the beginning of a new year, right? This is a brand new year, and so we want to tune our instrument, our hearts, to God, not only individually, but together as a church family as we move forward into 2021. So our focus has been more on prayer than on fasting in previous times, and that's my fault because I haven't known the importance of the fasting part, but I'm focusing on, you know, can't do a do-over, but starting now, you can do both the prayer and the fasting time. Now, where's the precedent for a corporate fast in the Bible? There are a lot of them, but let me just mention two. Esther, who was queen uh, in exile, actually, but she was Jewish, and and she needed to talk to the king because an edict had been given out that all the Jews were going to be slaughtered, and so she needed to talk to them to the king, but she knew that if she went into the king's presence uninvited, she could be executed. So she called on all the Jews in the city of Susa to pray and fast for three days. A three-day fast, a corporate fast of the city before she went in. And actually God gave her the request and, and the Jews were saved. Another time in Second Chronicles chapter 20, the king of Israel is Jehoshaphat and they're going to be attacked by a group of, of three different nations. And so Jehoshaphat calls on the entire nation to fast, and the next morning God delivers the Israelites, well actually the southern kingdom of Judah, from those three enemies. So we see that corporate fasts were called for in the scriptural times, in biblical times. Now, the beginning of the new year, as I said, is an obvious time for us to want to fast and pray and have this special season of prayer and fasting. And I I think 2021 might be a better year than any year ever to do that, given where we've come from in 2020 and also what's already happened at the beginning of 2021. The key is to join our hearts and our lives together in calling on God to be glorified in our lives and to guide and empower us as we live for Him. We do have that Pursuit 21 Day of Prayer and Fasting Devotional that you can use as a guide during your fasting. We also have the Zoom calls on Mondays to Friday that are going to start tomorrow morning at 6.30. And as I said, you can be part of that if you just simply email us and let us know you want to be part of that. Imagine the potential. That God has to work in each of us, but also in New Life Christian ministries in Saxonburg, Pennsylvania, and really extending out into the ends of the earth and fulfilling our mission to share, grow, and live the new life of Jesus Christ with the world, one person at a time, as we join our hearts and our minds and our bodies and lives in a time of prayer and fasting. So, let me remind you just of a few more very practical aspects of having a season of prayer and fasting or even a day of prayer and fasting in your life. So when you fast, you need to ask yourself this question, what will I fast? In other words, what am I not going to eat? What am I not going to drink? Are you going to just fast from solid foods? Are you going to fast from water and everything? And If you're going to do that, don't do that for more than a day or two at the most unless God really tells you because you need the water... Are you going to do a Daniel fast, you know, just fruits, vegetables? It's up to you. The fast is something that we're doing as a a body, as a family, as a church family. But what you fast, that's up to you. Secondly, how long will I fast? Now, again, it really does depend on you. I mean, you don't have to fast at all. Um, But we are called to fast, so I'm urging you, if you've never fasted before, probably be good to only fast from a meal. Maybe it would be good to only fast from certain things, you know, don't eat meat or don't eat chocolate or something. That's technically a fast because you're eliminating some kind of food from what you usually eat for a period of time. Set some time aside and ask God how he wants you to participate in the fast. So we believe that the Holy Spirit guided Jesus in when he fasted on the earth, And so why not turn to the Holy Spirit to ask uh, ask Him how and when we should fast? And then this is a third question, a practical question I would only ask here in America. What if I fail? You see, Americans, we set goals, and then if we don't achieve them, we feel like failures. So what happens if you say, I'm going to fast one meal a day every day for 21 days, and you get to the 16th day, and you say, I'm going to eat lunch today. And I haven't eaten lunch for 15 days, but I'm going to do it. And so you do, and you go, oh, I failed. But here's the thing: How does God treat failures? That's a good question. He gives us another chance. Last year, when I started into the 21 days of prayer and fasting, the first one in January, I thought I was going to pray I was going to fast with uh, just water for 10 days. I got to day seven and I said, "Can't do it. I'm only, gonna, I'm only going to fast for seven days on water. I'm going to start with the juice and broth today." And you know, I did feel a little like a failure, and, and then I realized something. it's not a competition. It's really not a competition. So I added the juice and broth and I finished out the fast and I felt closer to God during those days than any day I've, you know, really ever. Because as the longer you go without food and the longer that you go without that nourishment physically and the more you lean into the Holy Spirit, the stronger you feel in Him. So as I said, I only ended up fasting 19 days that uh, first fast and, and it still impacted me throughout the whole of 2020. It's really changed the way I look at sort of everything about my life, including when I actually sit down and eat a meal. I I think differently about food now than I ever did before. I see it as such a gift and blessing from God. So if you have questions, you still have questions about prayer and fasting, I really want to point you to two resources. I think they're the best two resources that I have ever found the first is a guide to prayer and fasting by Pastor Dave Patterson again I already said tfh.org resources the picture of its on the screen so you can see what it looks like you go to their resource page and just download it you don't have to print it out or anything and that's a great one but also there's a book it's called God's chosen fast by Arthur Wallace again there's a picture of it you can order it from amazon.com it was written back in 1969 best book I've ever read on fasting. So remember, Jesus told us when we fast, don't be like the hypocrites. The key word probably is when, because not if, but when, but also another key word is hypocrites. Don't be a hypocrite. You know, it's something he called all of his followers to do, to do it without much fanfare, but just do it in our everyday lives. So here's today's next step, which is going to give you a jump start on fasting in 2021. I will take part in pursuit, 21 days of prayer and fasting. How you take part is entirely up to you. That's between you and God. That you take part is a new beginning that each of us gets to participate in. Don't worry about what you would do or how you would do it if you have a do-over. You don't have a do-over, so just do it, right? Okay, most of our messages here at New Life are geared in two directions. The first direction is to help people who have never trusted Jesus as Savior and Lord to trust him as Savior, which means rescuer from sin and death, and Lord, which means master. And also to help those of us who have already done that to take a next step in our walk of faith in Jesus Christ. This message has been primarily directed at the second group. It really doesn't have much to say for somebody who has never yet trusted Jesus, Savior, and Lord. For After all, why would you pray and fast if you don't have a lord and savior who is there with you and his spirit to give you the power to do this so if you've never trusted jesus as savior as rescuer from sin and death in your life as lord master owner which means he gets to tell you when you give when you pray when you fast it's simple as i've said so many times here at new life it's not easy but it's simple as simple as abc a is admit admit that you're a sinner Admit that you're broken. Admit that you are not the person that God created you to be. B, believe in Jesus. I mean, this man, Jesus Christ, was a man, but he's also the son of the living God. And so when we believe into him and have him in our lives, Jesus called it being born again. It makes all the difference. He truly does become our Savior and our Lord. And then C is to confess our sins to God. Not just admit them to ourselves, but confess them to God. And then confess or or tell everybody that we know, not in an obnoxious way, but I'm under new ownership. Jesus is now Savior and Lord in my life. So what we're going to do right now is we're going to pray. And if you would like to trust Jesus as Savior and Lord, turn your life over to him and follow him for the rest of your life would you pray with me heavenly father i thank you so much for your goodness and love and right now i pray for anyone who's who's watching listening that right now they would pray with me heavenly father i admit that i'm a sinner i admit that i haven't done the things that i know i ought to do And I believe that Jesus is Savior. He has died on the cross to save me from my sins and from death. He is Lord from this point forward. He will be my Lord. I will follow Him and let Him tell me how to live my life. And Lord, I confess to You those sins that I know that I have, and You know that I have as well. And I ask You to release me from them so that I can serve You faithfully. And God, give me the strength to confess to my friends and family and co-workers and people that I go to school with, anybody, that I am a different person because of you. And God, I pray for all of us today that we will be filled with your Holy Spirit, that as we embark on this 21 days of prayer and fasting, that you will be glorified in our lives. We pray, God, that whatever it is that we do in these 21 days, that we will do it as unto you. We pray this in Jesus' name. If you just committed your life to Jesus as Savior and Lord for the very first time, why not hit that um, raise your hand button and somebody will be there to talk with you or to give you the opportunity to follow up in, in, in your commitment. And We're going to send you a letter that's going to tell you how you can live into that new life in Jesus that, that you have right now. And and everybody, I I just want you to know that as you go out of your homes this week or even if you stay at your home all this week, I want you to to do that in peace. I want you to love and serve the Lord, rejoicing in the power of the Holy Spirit. Render to no one evil for evil as we see so often, but always turn back evil with good. And now may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with with us all this day and until we see Jesus face to face. God bless you all. Have a great week.